0: if you google first ai ceo europe we do indeed come up you give it a goal and it produces the best possible plan it can if you need you know some strategic advice you can put those questions to it and we've actually been really amazed
1: welcome to the amplifying cognition podcast formerly the thriving on overload podcast i am ross dawson a futurist and entrepreneur fascinated by the unlimited potential of the human mind Each week I speak to incredible people who are working on how we can get to next level thinking, sense making and decision making so we can keep ahead in an accelerating world. My guests share how they amplify their productivity, the success of organizations and the potential of humanity by using an array of technologies including AI, innovative processes and sometimes simple everyday practices. I do this podcast to learn. I learn so much from every guest I speak to, and I'm sure you will too. If you are intent on amplifying your cognition, simply go to amplifyingcognition.com to access a trove of useful resources, including the Humans Plus AI Learning Community, resources and downloads from my book, Thriving on Overload, the Thought Weaver app, which allows you to interface more effectively with AI, transcripts from all of our podcast episodes, and far more. That's amplifyingcognition.com. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe to hear more and help others to find the podcast by liking or sharing. It makes a massive difference, so thank you. On this episode, we learn from Kais Stukes. Kais is a leading AI scientist and the CTO and chief scientist of HANA, which combines AI and medical experts for large-scale preventive screening. Kais and his co-founders are currently in the news for having appointed an AI as CEO of the company, which we will discuss in depth in this episode. He has a PhD in AI and a strong background in financial tech leadership, and is also well known for applying AI to the Quran, developing the Quranic Arabic corpus. You can find more on his work at Hana.app, that's H-U-N-N-A dot A-P-P. And on LinkedIn and Wikipedia, search for Kais Dukes, K-A-I-S-D-U-K-E-S. The paper detailing the AI CEO can be found in the podcast show notes at amplifyingcognition.com episodes, as for anything mentioned in any of our podcasts. In this episode, Kais shares insights on the AI CEO they've implemented, the details of its structure, the architectures they've developed for humans in the loop and how they are creating hive minds of a series of different AIs and humans to be able to create superior decision-making. So keep listening to learn about how an AI can be a CEO. Guys, it's awesome to have you on the show.
0: Hey Ross, it is a true pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me here.
1: So there's been a lot of discussion about the uh, AI CEO that uh, you have created and deployed. So I'd love to learn more about it. So can you give me a bit of the, the backstory of how it is that uh, you came to you know work on this uh, project and develop it?
0: Yeah, so um, it's in the news right now. Uh, if you Google uh, first AI CEO Europe, we do indeed uh, come up. Um, It's been quite interesting. We've had a large amount of uh, interesting responses. Um, I actually thought something quite different was going to happen. I actually thought there's going to be quite a lot of uh, skepticism. You know, I thought people are going to be saying, really, you guys really got an AICO? Um, But I think, you know, the the way we did the press release, we actually also announced it in combination with um, a science research paper that we published on Archive. So we've been very transparent about the kind of algorithm and the process. and uh, we've also been quite honest about what we're doing, yeah, so when we say an aico, I think a lot of people you know who watch Hollywood might be imagining a robot that's sitting in a boardroom telling a bunch of executives what to do. Um, but it's actually not like that at all. yeah, it's actually uh, it's an algorithm, it's a process and the we we can we can go into more detail on how it works in a minute, but really briefly, you know it's an algorithm and a process that involves humans as well as machine learning systems to come to a joint decision and um we have a kind of nickname for this we call it a hive mind, but I think from a scientific perspective, you know this is more coming from uh collective intelligence, right so the idea is you know, can we get a group of smart people together and a group of smart AIs and a group of machine learning systems together? And can they come together to make a joint decision? And uh, just to let you know where we got the inspiration from this, um, I've always been a big fan of Steve Jobs. Yeah, And well, look, I don't agree with everything Steve Jobs has said, but there's one specific quote he said, which always stuck in my mind, which was, um, he said, we don't hire smart people and tell them what to do. We hire smart people so they can tell us what to do. Yeah. And that always really stuck in my mind. Right. Because right now, you know, we've got a kind of mindset, which is that AI is a tool. You know, it's going to be humans calling the shots. We're going to use AIs to help us out. But yeah, I think that's great. and I think that's always going to be there. But as AI systems get smarter and smarter, you know, could the tables be turned? Could it also be that maybe we're also listening to what they have to say? Yeah. So I think, you know, using that quote as inspiration, we really sort of ran with that and we thought, can we actually try to implement this?
1: So and so part of it is, so the AI CEO, so the CEO does quite a lot of different things. They talk to media and investors, they make decisions, they uh, sort of inspire people. So is there any sort of subset? Is, is this specifically around decisions? Or is there other aspects of the...
0: Yeah, look, I think that's, I think that's a really good question. I think it's a really good question. So yeah, this is, not, this is not a robot. This is a software system. It's an algorithm. So I think if you're going to put an AI in that sort of executive position, you know, I mean, let's get real. It's probably not going to be exactly what a real traditional human CEO is going to be doing. I think we're going to have to bend the term a little bit. So I can tell you what the system can and can't do right. Please. So right now today, yeah. The, uh, the AI CEO is not going to stand up on a uh, company call on a zoom call and give a really motivational speech to all of the staff. I'm going to do that. Um, but what it will do is it will, the system will produce very good, very solid strategic advice. Yeah. And um, I guess you can look at it as, you know, imagine you've got a CEO who's working from home and she says, oh, you know, I can only respond via email for the next couple of weeks. You know, my webcam's not working. I've got a sore throat. I can't really get on the phone. <laughs> now, is that really going to be a very effective CEO? I think for a lot of things it can be, yeah? But in reality, what this has meant is that the other executives in the company, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the CTO, we have the COO, we've had to step in and do things that a traditional CEO might have to be doing, right? So, you know, more direct communication with our stakeholders, um, with the staff we work with, with our partners, uh, more focusing on you know, setting the company culture, yeah? Um, So I think if you're going to have a software system in an executive function, you're going to have to do things in a bit of a different way, yeah? Um, But there's nothing wrong with that. I think that can still work.
1: So so this is is actually a real need, as in you have a company, which is uh, doing well, I gather, and growing. You have a CTO, you have a COO, but you don't have a CEO, so you have chosen to make that an algorithm. We've
0: chosen to make it an algorithm. And I think the takeaway message is, um, you know, you have to step in, the other executives in the company have to step in and maybe do things that a traditional CEO would be doing. But it also means that we can then also go and focus on the things that we're good at as well. So for example, you know, the COO absolutely loves sales. We love sales. He loves talking to people. He really loves the human aspect of things. And, um, you know, having more of the strategic guidance coming from an algorithm means he's freed up to focus and do the stuff that he really enjoys doing and loves doing, Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we definitely had a real need for it. And um, I think for it to work, you have to reassess a little bit about what these roles mean. You have to kind of bend the traditional definition of this senior role. So,
1: so in this case, so then how would you, so in terms of what the... The AI CEO is doing. So, what what are our specific functions, and can you give me examples of decisions it's made or things which have, I suppose, you've put on its plate and it's been able to uh, respond uh, usefully?
0: Fundamentally, it's an algorithm. Okay. Uh, the way the algorithm works is you give it a goal, yeah, and it produces a plan, the best possible plan it can, to help realize and achieve that goal. Okay. So you could give it a high-level goal. For example, a high-level goal could be um, we need a strategic plan for Q3, given our resources, to help us hit our objectives. Or you could give it a bit of a lower-level goal. For example, we recently had the AICO announcement. We put that to the CEO: How do we handle this? And uh, no joke, one of the things the AICO said is get on some podcasts. Here we are. Okay, uh, so I think that stuff works very well. Yeah, that works very well. If you if you need you know some strategic advice, you can put those questions to it. You get responses, and we've actually been really amazed. You know, I think before the advent of modern AI, if we wanted a marketing strategy, you know, we would we would maybe being being a small company, we might contact a marketing agency. We might try to work with them, and yeah, you know, I've done that before. It can take weeks. Yeah, and a bit hit and miss some of the time what you get out. Right. But we're just, we're just amazed, you know, now in just a very short amount of time, we can get a marketing strategy, which actually feels pretty solid. Yeah. So I think, I think for things like that, it works very well. Um, I think for things that doesn't work so well is where there is a bit more emotional understanding required. Yeah. So, you know, for example, you know, we've tried to get a bit more strategic advice from the AICO on how to handle things with sales. The advice hasn't totally been great. Yeah. Dealing with the human factor. So for us, our approach is we don't really want to make this fully automated. Yeah. Um, we really think that having humans in the loop is really important. We review carefully every decision and we don't just follow this thing blindly right it's a system um so far we've been following it around 90% of the time but yeah keeping humans in the loop is is very important
1: so so one of the the important things around this is where specifically you place the human in the loop yeah so uh is it in terms of you get the output from the ai and then you you know, approve or vet or, uh, you know, refine what it is doing or do you feed that back then for further things? Or how how specifically are you architecting the human in the loop uh, together with the AI?
0: That is an excellent uh, question, Ross. And we've actually outlined this in our science research paper so look I know I know you've actually got quite a smart audience for this podcast. I know normally the audience are pretty switched on. Um, so I'll just go into some details for a couple of minutes so I'll try to keep it, I'll try to keep it short and not too technical. So the algorithm we follow, it actually sounds really simplistic, but you know don't be fooled by a simple algorithm. Sometimes a simple algorithm can actually be quite powerful, okay uh, so what we do is we have a goal that we're trying to achieve, yeah. And we're trying to produce a plan. So the first thing we do with the system is we come up with a set of up to three scoring functions, three criteria. Okay. So, for example, um, recently, yeah, we were discussing how to handle the AI CEO announcement. We came up with three scores, which is like a marketing score, an effort score, an impact score. Yeah. And the idea is these scores go between zero and ten. Uh, We also allow half points, like 7.5, right? Uh, Very explainable, very easy to do. And the way the system works is it works in iterations with a feedback loop, yeah? So we come up with, so together with the AI, the humans and the AI are collaborating. They come up with a draft plan, right? We look at the draft plan. We score it from zero to 10 on the different criteria, yeah? And then collectively, the humans and the AIs who are working on this together look at the plan and we say, hmm, let's now make a bunch of adjustments, see if we can move those scores a little bit, right? Make some edits, revise the plan, score it again, yeah? And we do that through a few iterations until we feel we've actually got something quite solid. Now, you might be looking at that and thinking, is that it? That just sounds so simplistic. No, no,
1: no, I think that's, that's fantastic. In yeah. fact, what you've described, I mean, I wasn't aware there was an archive paper, which I'll definitely have to have a look at, but I mean, yeah. to be frank what you've just described sounds potentially as, as innovative as the algorithm itself in terms of yeah. being able to get an effective humans-in-the-loop uh, you know iteration cycle.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. I, I mean, look, it sounds really simplistic, but I mean, let me tell you this. There are some very simplistic decision-making systems that are actually quite powerful. So as I'm sure you're aware, you know, one of the famous ones is um, the Eisenhower matrix, right? based on President Eisenhower. So President Eisenhower, obviously a very smart man, you know, head of the United States of America. And um, he used to get bombarded all day long with stuff he had to do. So he's like, look, I've got a simple system that works for me. I'm going to assess all this work in terms of just two factors, yeah? Urgency and importance, right? So that gave him a bit of a quadrant. You've got four combinations. Um, He would do what's important himself personally, starting with what's urgent. And uh, if it wasn't important, he would delegate. Yeah. If it wasn't important or urgent, he would maybe put it in the trash bin. Yeah. Um, so you know, he he also had his two scoring functions. He had an urgency score and an important score. Okay. He was doing it qualitatively, not quantitatively, but the same principles apply, right? So it sounds like a really simplistic system, but that simple sounding system is actually how he ran his presidency and got stuff done. Right. Um, another really good example of a decision matrix system like that is in business, you've got the, uh, the iron triangle, which is, can you, you know, if you're doing a project, maybe you care about the cost, uh, the quality and the speed. Yeah. You can't have all three, right? So maybe you've got different options for how to do the project. You know, you're thinking about scoring these, you're thinking about the right solution. Another really good example in business is the, um, impact effort decision matrix. You know, you, You draw a grid with impact and effort. You try to put pins on different solutions where these go. So all we, you know, with all our business experience, we actually realize, you know what, we can actually assimilate all these different decision-making matrices into like a universal framework, right? Let's just come up with a framework that can take any sort of scoring criteria based on the problem at hand, keep things in the loop, keep things iterative, and what we found, I, it's, I know it's really counterintuitive. It sounds like such a simple idea, but actually, there's a lot of benefits. So first of all, you know, it's um, it's collective intelligence. You can get AIs and humans working on this together. Yeah, it's cognitively simple to understand, right? Humans are really good at scoring stuff out of ten. You know, movie ratings. I gave that movie a seven. Um, there's all kinds of things people score. Maybe I shouldn't talk too much about that, but. Um, uh, for example, you know, I, I, I work out, sometimes I look in the mirror, I'm scoring myself around a three out of 10 right now. I need to do a bit there. Um, so, you know, we're, we're, we're really good at scoring things. So intuitively it makes sense. And also it really helps with explainability because, you know, once you start getting AIs involved in this, you know, you get a really clear picture of what's going on. So yeah, we're just, we're just really amazed. A really simple process, but yeah, we think it's really effective and really not
1: very quick break to point you to amplifyingcognition.com. You'll find a stack of resources to help you get to next level thinking, sense making and decision making, including the humans plus AI learning community with extensive courses and events, free downloads from my book thriving on overload, the thought weaver app to achieve more with AI, productivity programs for individuals and companies and far more. And back to the show. You keep on describing it as an algorithm. So, is it a large language model?
0: It's a good question. Um, so, we look at it as like a hive mind. Um, we're ha- we're happy to mix in all sorts of AIs, all sorts of decision making tools. Yes, we do use large language models. We've connected three large language models together. Specifically, we've got uh, OpenAI ChatGTP four. We're using Google Bard. We're using Anthropic Claude two. We're using uh, some humans, human experts. Uh, We're also using um, some very specific uh, machine learning models and statistical models. So we've had quite a lot of successes recently with uh, RNNs. We use uh, STMs occasionally, long short-term memory. So whatever makes sense for the problem, right? And the idea is, you know, each of these components are producing outputs, producing suggestions on how to improve the plan, And we kind of look at all this together and we kind of include what we feel makes sense. The reason it's an algorithm is, um, we've got three scores, but then we need an overall score for the plan. So what we do is we do something mathematically called a weighted sum, very simple approach, very simple approach, very standard approach in multi-parameter optimization. We just assign. So for example, if we've got three parameters, three scores, we might say, okay, Um, The compliance score is actually quite important for this problem. We're going to give that a higher weight, apply a weighted sum. We get an overall score for the plan. And it's an algorithm because we're following a set of steps, right? A lot of people think an algorithm has to be done in code. It has to be something that's done on the computer, but it can also be a process that you're doing maybe even semi-manually. That's
1: still an algorithm. Are you you fine-tuning any of the large language models, uh, GPT-4 or others? Um, only very rarely when we've got a specific uh, niche
0: problem that we need to look at. But generally, we found if you take off-the-shelf models and if you actually combine them together, you get a good, you get a really good result. Let me just give a very simple analogy, maybe for some of the viewers and listeners here. Um, if you ask someone to estimate how many coins there are in a jar, imagine you've got a jar full of coins, yeah? and you're asking one person, how many, how many coins do you think there are in that jar? I don't know, like- Three hundred, yeah. But if you actually get ten people to estimate how many coins there are in a jar, and then you aggregate those results, it's really interesting. You can actually get a really accurate result. Yeah. Um, So what we found with collective intelligence. Sorry, sorry. Go ahead, Bruce.
1: I was just going to say. So that that's quantitative, uh, Mm. you know, aggregation. So in terms of if you're getting qualitative, as in text-based answers from the large language models. Just wondering how you're able to then, you know, combine those into create a superior. Self.
0: That's a really good question. So we've got a little bit of a secret. We've got a little bit of secret source here, which we probably don't want to disclose too much about. It's a bit of our, one of our competitive competitive advantages. Well, we've actually found a way to get numerical answers out of the large language models, right? So we're able to turn. You're know, you making an excellent point because we're dealing with qualitative problems. But yet we're using quantitative scores out of ten, right? So we've got a bit of a secret sauce that lets us extract.
1: So it's around framing the questions in ways that can be quantified. That's uh, partly it. Yeah, it's partly about that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So the, you, you also mentioned that you you also use some uh, machine learning models. So this would be with internal data, I presume, in the company to be able to, you know, for.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so one one of the one of the really good things like that is. Um, when we're trying to forecast which market we should really be looking at, we applied a lot of quantitative models. So as a startup, we're currently focused on the UAE. We didn't pick the UAE by chance. Um, We modeled it. We applied quite a lot of quantitative data. And uh, yeah, for things like that, I think quantitative models can work quite well. You know, if you're dealing with, you know, you're looking at things like GDP, you're looking at things like, you know, how, how much spending power do they have in the country? What's their investment levels? You know, uh, you're looking at things like future projections on growth within the country. Yeah. Uh, so you have a lot of quantitative data. I think things feel like that, you know, quantitative modeling can work quite well. Um, but yeah, you're, you know, you're absolutely right. I think the benefit and the power of what we're doing is we're not just restricting ourselves to one sort of model. You know, it's really about the collective intelligence aspect and yeah, mixing it all together. So, mixing quantitative models with qualitative models
1: as well. So, so you talk about the, the you know the hive mind and the collective intelligence. So, the uh, you've you've got the models. So, there's you, the CEO. So, are the other human participants in the system all internal to the company, or do you go outside to get any other participants in that uh, decision making?
0: Uh, Very good question, Ross. Um, As a health tech startup, we do quite a lot of work with the medical community. Yeah. And um, we have actually partnered with a couple of senior medical professionals. Uh, One of them is actually working at the World Health Organization, um, who's who's been assisting us. Yeah. And they've also been participating in the process. Um, It wasn't easy to get them on board with it because, you know, we had a certain framework that we were kind of asking them to follow. But once they uh, got involved, yeah, they were really fascinated by it. They thought, wow, okay, this is this is actually quite cool. We're actually working together with AIs and um, it's a structured approach. You know, we're, we're, we're trying to produce a plan. We're, we're scoring the plan. We're working on it iteratively. And yeah, you know, once we kind of, going to the swing of things, we found it was very effective. So no, definitely not just internal. I mean, our view is a system like this really works best when you're combining experts together, we feel. Yeah, so the experts could be the AI systems and definitely bringing in human expertise as well is what makes it very effective.
1: So what what are the next steps? So you uh, have your AI CEO, you've obviously got a, a strong... Uh, structure and methodology there. So, what? How do you then either deploy it more broadly and improve the quality of it? Take the next steps. Where? Where? Where to from here?
0: Yeah. So, I think there's two ways to look at that question. I think there's the business side of it, and then there's the science side of it. Um, I think from the business side, you know, we need to measure the performance of the system in the same way you would measure the performance of a human CEO. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the question is, you know, if you had a human CEO and you were the board of directors who, you know, typically sits above the CEO, yeah, the board might be thinking, "Hmm," you know, what is the CEO doing? Let's look at the results. You know, has the CEO actually delivered on our strategic objectives? You know, have like, for example, as, as a health tech, our main strategic objectives right now is to secure a medical pilot to prove that our product is working to get a large number of patients onto the pilot, we've got some strategic objectives. So the next steps really was is to make sure that the algorithm and the and the approach we're following is delivering the results we want as a business. Yeah. So that's how we would measure things from a business perspective. We feel there's no difference in having an algorithm or a human in a CEO position with regards to measuring its effectiveness. You would just measure it in the traditional way: is it delivering the results you want? From a scientific perspective. Um, I think we're in a very fascinating era right now, yeah. Because um, large language models have come out quite recently; they've revolutionised things. You know, who's to say what's coming up around the corner? You know, there could be another big step, a big leap coming up at any minute. So, what we're really keen to do is to improve the collective intelligence with the latest AIs that come out, right? Like immediately, as soon as another strong AI system is out there, we're going to be jumping all over it and we're going to try to assimilate it. I don't want to put people off. I'm sounding like the Borg from Star Trek right now. We're just assimilate all these other intelligences, but I think that's really the plan. Right? I think as soon as another state-of-the-art AI system is available, we would love to also incorporate that into the collective decision-making process.
1: Yeah, well, since if you already have multiple intelligence is uh, sort of artificial and human involved in the system then presumably it's not difficult for you to bring in another participant in that model
0: absolutely yeah absolutely so i think you know we we're, we're really looking at the system as a as a hive mind uh, a mixture of experts and yeah we would love to continue to bring in additional ais into the decision making process
1: so in terms of the i suppose the the process I suppose the, the overarching al- algorithm, as you say, in, in terms of being able to bring all these together, are there ways uh, which you're, as you say, measuring results in order to be able to improve yep. that? Uh, any types of uh, you know, m- multi scenario testing or other ways in which you're refining the, uh, the overarching algorithm?
0: Yeah. So um, we've actually been running this system for about 12 months, yeah? And for the last 12 months, you know, we've been looking at the sort of decisions coming out of the system, right? And I would say about 90% of the time we've been pretty happy with it. Um, there are some issues, especially with large language models. So like I said, you know, the, the, the AI is a collective intelligence. It includes a bunch of statistical models, machine learning models. It also includes large language models, and we, we aggregate all this together. The statistical models and the traditional machine learning models, they have their limitations, right? But they generally produce pretty consistent output. One of the big problems with the large language models is a phenomenon called hallucinations, uh, which we've had to keep a really close eye on, right? Occasionally, these large language models will just speak with such confidence that they really know what they're talking about, right? But they're actually just making up complete fictional scenarios or completely fictional situations, right? Um, which is something called hallucinations. So you have to keep a close eye on that, right? Um, that's why it's really important to just double check everything these systems are saying.
1: Well, do you have any specific structures for being able to uh, you know, essentially identify or uh, ensure that there's, you're not incorporating uh, hallucinated uh, content or ideas into the
0: Yeah, yeah. No, oh, absolutely. Absolutely, Ross. I, I think for us, the key thing is just human supervision, verification and validation of what the system is doing. And look, we also want to be compliant with the law. We also need to think about things from a legal, ethical, and regulatory perspective. So especially being a startup based in Europe, you know, Europe probably have some of the strictest uh, frameworks in the world for privacy, for, for, for compliance, especially with GDPR and so on. One of the big things in European law around AI at the moment, even before the EU AI Act, it's already been around for a while, is you can't have a fully automated system in a position that might seriously impact human lives. Yeah, um, it's a bit of a wide framework, so it's a bit open to interpretation. But you know, if if we turned around and said, look, we've got a fully automated AI CEO, it's calling all the shots, that would be very hard to clear. From a regulatory perspective, yeah, I, I don't think that's actually uh, allowed right now. But I think having a system that is producing a strategy, but that humans are reviewing and then acting, on, we, we feel is fully compliant with the law, and we think you know that is the key way to make sure that issues like hallucinations, issues like bias, are kept in check. Yeah, and you need to have that human supervision. We feel.
1: In which case, the accountability resides with the human reviewer.
0: Hundred percent, hundred percent, and that is also what the law wants to happen as well, right? Because you know, right now, um, the law isn't really ready for AIs in executive positions. You know, an, an AI system is not considered today as a legal entity. An AI can't sign contracts. An AI can't hold a, a legal position. Um, so, yeah, we we look at the aico as a functional role. You know, it's doing that job functionally, but you're absolutely right, Ross. Um, from a legal perspective, an ethical perspective, um the the human executives in the company are ultimately legally responsible. And yeah, that's what the law wants. and it's also what we want because we do want humans in the loop here. Yeah, we do not want a fully automated system we don't think that makes sense for a lot of reasons
1: fantastic thank you so much for your insights uh kais it's a it's a fascinating experiment uh look forward to hearing more about uh, how the company does under the guidance of your iai ceo and uh and how you continue to progress the uh, the project is there uh, anywhere people can go to find out more about um uh, your work on this
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You can go to uh, our website, uh, hunna.app, H-U-N-N-A.app. If you scroll down, you'll see a picture of the AICO. And if you click through there, there is indeed uh, a science research paper uh, where we explain the algorithm. Um, We know we've we've been very transparent, very open on how it works at a high level. And uh, yeah, we would love love to get people's feedback on it. Always open to improvements on how we do things.
1: Fantastic. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much for your time today, Ross.
1: Thank you for listening to the show. If you really want to amplify your cognition, go to amplifyingcognition.com, where you can access a trove of useful resources to make your mind better and more effective than ever before. If you liked this episode, please do help us be found by giving us a rating or review and subscribe if you want to hear more of this. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful day.